0: A star investigation has found that Missouri's public defender system sets up many people to fail. We'll dig deeper into the special report's findings on today's episode. It's Wednesday, November 20th. I'm Leah Becerra, and you're listening to Deep Background. Welcome to Deep Background, I'm Leah Becerra. My co-host Dave Helling is here today, and so is reporter Katie Moore. Dave and Katie just wrapped up a months-long investigation into Missouri's public defender system and essentially found that the system in place sets up poor people to fail. First off, Katie, can you give a little bit of background for people who maybe haven't read the report yet Um, Maybe just main findings things along those lines.
1: Sure. Yeah, so I think um, it's pretty well known that there's a problem with the Missouri public defender system Broadly, but we wanted to go out and find um, On the ground kind of the stories where this was really impacting people. So we met with defendants um, public defenders of course prosecutors and judges across the state to see kind of how different uh, courts were were handling the situation and found a very um, widespread kind of difference in in how it's being dealt with
0: can you actually tell people what it was that happened that ultimately got you looking into this in the first place
1: um there's a lawsuit going on and in that lawsuit one of the defendants has been in jail or one of the plaintiffs has um, been in jail for four years awaiting trial and so that kind of prompted looking at this um, more in depth and seeing kind of what other stories are out there
0: is it unusual for somebody to be in jail that long
1: i think that situation is an outlier but we did find other defendants who were in jail for years as well so it certainly does happen
0: so dave you are also working on the project (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) normally normally you and i are just hosting the show but you were you had boots on the ground here.
2: Right. Um, and maybe we should start by just explaining to people what a public defender is. The Supreme Court found many years ago that defendants are entitled to effective representation, even those too poor to afford a lawyer. Most people are familiar with that. Every cop show around is, you know, if you cannot afford a lawyer, one will be appointed to you. And in Missouri, there's a, as in some other states, not all, but in Some states, Missouri has a system in which public defenders are state employees, and they work in different counties, and they are required under state law to take all the indigent defendants that show up, which as it turns out, Leah, and this is probably a no surprise to people, the vast majority of people who are arrested for crimes can't afford a lawyer. That's why they are committing crimes, or at least allegedly committing crimes. And so there are, in any given years, right, Katie, I think 75 80,000 mm-hmm. new cases that come into the public defender's office in Missouri alone. Well, it turns out as well that Missouri is one of the uh, poorest states in the union in terms of funding its public defender's office. It's 49th out of 50 states in a per capita basis. One of the things I wrote about is Iowa spends about the same amount on public defender system as Missouri but with half the population that gives you some idea so I've been writing about this actually for several years even before I went to the editorial board uh, because I had some conversations with Michael Barrett the former director of the office and he said this is really a disaster and if you look in the literature they've been talking about this for decades in Missouri it's an ongoing problem And then, so I wrote a little bit about that. It became a little bit of an issue, famously, when Michael Barrett assigned Jay Nixon, who was then the governor, and said, hey, you've got to take this case. And so people sort of said, "Wait, maybe we ought to pay a little bit of attention to this. And then the lawsuit was filed. That's when I wrote about it for the editorial board. And that was, I think, kind of the springboard for all of us to take a close look at what's going on.
0: So is this a politics issue is this a use of um of funds issue at the state level
2: well katie may have a different view of this from her reporting but my my impression is it's all of those things but it's it, it it reflects the fact that poor people don't really have much of a champion anywhere i mean you don't you know it's hard for uh the ordinary citizen to say, yeah, I ought to pay more taxes so that poor people who are accused of crimes, including some very serious crimes like murder, to provide them a lawyer. That's just not a popular thing politically or even just in the general public. And so it's easy to sort of shove all these defendants to the side, get them to plead guilty if you can. The judges kind of like it that way. The prosecutors like it that way because they get guilty pleas; they don't have to actually go to court. And so all of the forces that might work to protect poor people from having ineffective lawyers, all the forces are arrayed against that possibility in the entire state and that's why missouri's in trouble
1: right i think um yeah i mean it does come down to funding but there are also all these other peripheral issues within the criminal justice system um the way that public defenders can get help with their caseloads if they feel they're overloaded is through the judges and some judges have been receptive and helpful and other judges have uh, been more resistant to recognizing that there is a caseload problem. Um, like Dave was saying with prosecutors, I mean, they, uh, we found that um, in some rural areas, prosecutors are filing more charges than in areas like Kansas City, which have a much higher violent crime rate. Um, so there's all these kind of compounding issues that, that contribute to this overall crisis.
0: So Dave just, I think, summed up what a lot of people's mindsets might be when they look at this issue. People who've committed crimes shouldn't get a fair shake. Maybe that's a little bit right. of a or harsh they way to de- say They it. don't
2: deserve a good lawyer. Yeah. Just any lawyer at all. Let's throw them in there and yeah. and and proceed.
0: But, Katie, your reporting found that this isn't necessarily even people who have committed crimes. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what you found and the people you talked to?
1: Right. Yeah. One one story that we found was a woman who was in jail for almost two years and. Um, She'd been charged with uh, very serious sex crimes against uh, children, and one day she'd been in jail for two years. She was uh, in her fifties at the time, and one day a corrections officer came in and said, "You can go." And they handed her a dollar fifty bus ticket, and she was let out. And she has no idea what happened, but she was in jail for two years, and there weren't um, there wasn't the evidence to. Proceed with uh, a trial, and she is innocent. So,
2: the, maybe one of the cases our listeners might be most familiar with is the Ricky Kidd case, which was in the news this year, um, but really had its roots 20 years ago. Which shows you how far this problem goes back. When he was accused of murder uh, in the Kansas City area, had a public defender. Uh, He went to trial, was convicted, sent to prison, and then just within the last six months or so exonerated and released from custody. And I had a chance, of course, to talk to Ricky Kidd, but also the person who was his public defender at the time, a woman named Teresa Anderson. And she sort of said, I did my best, and she sort of defended her, her work in that case, even though other... Lawyers and courts had said it was the defense of Ricky Kidd was just horrible. I mean, they, you know, a federal judge said that at one point. But it really points out the other side of this issue. It isn't just overwork, mm-hmm. but it. But public defenders tend to be relatively inexperienced. They're not paid a lot of money. They're juggling 150, 200 cases at a time. So it, it, it isn't just Leah a problem of representation in court, but it's depositions, it's interviewing witnesses, it's doing all the investigation. And of course, the police have, you know, the police and the prosecutor has investigators and lots of people, but the defendant has a real hard time challenging evidence, even before it gets to trial. And um, so I think we found several examples of that, that, you know, uh, one of the public defenders told me, do you know how hard it is? to get a young lawyer just out of school to move to, you know, Clinton, Missouri, where he or she would be the only lawyer making $40,000 a year defending clients who are too poor to hire a lawyer. It's a very challenging environment to, in, in the first place, let alone all these other problems.
0: It there. sounds like a very stressful job, and oh. I'm, when you were Turnover talking- Turnover is
2: incredible. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, people, we, there's one story, uh, one case, and uh, what we've written about a defendant down in Springfield who had three public defenders, because they, for whatever reason, they quit or had other responsibilities, and so the continuity of your representation also suffers in those cases.
0: The idea of having 250 cases to be focused on at one time sounds incredibly difficult to me. I I think about, like, when I'm multitasking on a day-to-day basis, And if I forget something, like in this case, if you forget something, somebody's potentially going to jail for something they may or may not have done.
2: Right. Katie, talk a little bit, you might wanna talk a little bit about the Jackson County hearing in which the public defenders went to the chief judge and said, we we have too many cases, and he actually referred to how hard reporters work as part of that. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so there were two public defenders in the Kansas City office who wanted relief for their caseloads, um, and they were saying – you know how many cases they had, and basically the way they operate is that they can't focus on all 250 at the same time. They focus on what's right in front of them. So the trial that they have next week. Meanwhile, the 249 other clients just get ignored for weeks while they're preparing for the trial, and then you know during the week of the trial. So.
2: And, and that in, in the hearing with Judge David <laughs> Byrne, who's the chief judge in the Jackson County Court. Uh, the public defenders were making the argument, hey, we're overworked, we've got 200 cases, or whatever the number is. And the judge at one point says, well, reporters have lots of things going on. They're not just focused on one story at a time. And I'm reading the transcript thinking, well, yeah, but I'm not working on 250 stories at a time. I may (laughs) be working on three or four max. So you're exactly right, Leah. The concept of uh, any lawyer taking that many cases on at once when you you know they'll tell you the defenders will tell you look again it's not just about going to trial with these people it's it's calling the police officer reading the police report to have some basis for a defense and I think the judges and prosecutors are thinking boy if we can just not encourage you know an adequate defense we don't have to go through all that process and that's really I mean, as we say in the story, unconstitutional. It's just not not allowed under the United States Constitution.
0: All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Hey there, it's Leah. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Kansas City Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to KansasCity.com slash background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a Deep Background listener. Subscribing at that URL will get you three months of unlimited digital access for $1.99 total. You get access to KansasCity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, mobile apps, and more for three whole months. And it only costs you $1.99. It's a pretty sweet deal. Plus, you'll be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So grab your computer or mobile device and go to kansascity.com slash background. And hey, thanks for listening. Back here with... Dave Helling and Katie Moore, who just wrapped up their investigation into Missouri's public defender system. And, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the first half. Um, this has been an issue for a long time. Do we have any sort of indication how long it actually has been an issue? Um,
1: well, one uh, public defender here called it a 25 year em- uh, emergency. So it's been going on for the past few decades. Um, Really, kind of ramped up when prosecutors and war on crime kind of started uh, increasing in the in the '90s, and the caseloads really started to uh, to explode.
2: Right. Um, there's been sort of a low-level hum about this issue, and by the way, it's not just limited to Missouri. I mean, the New York Times, I think, did a story in Louisiana. They had a similar problem. So Missouri is not. Uh, the worst, but it's close, which Mm -hmm. is of course why we wanted to spend some time on it. But I do think that there is more attention being paid in part because of stories like Ricky Kids, where he gets out of jail, had a public defender, but also um, because there's a, a push politically for sentencing reform around the country where, you know, a lot of different folks, conservatives and liberals are saying, look, we're putting the wrong people in jail. It's very expensive. And the public defender system is very much a part of sentencing reform because if you don't have an effective defense of some of these defendants, they plead guilty so they can just get out of the mess, end up in prison, you have to pay to keep them in jail, feed them and do all those other things. So I was told repeatedly that if you really want to look at reforming the way we send people to prison, you've got to start giving them decent lawyers and we just don't pay for that in Missouri.
0: So the other part of that is, people have sort of known that this is a problem for quite a while. Why is it taking so long to change? Katie, do you have any idea?
1: Um, I think one of the public defenders says it in, w- in one of the stories, but it just, it's just not a politically popular topic. It's not going to get a prosecutor elected to say, oh, well, you know, the public defenders need more funding or these defendants deserve, you know, a fair day in court. They want to be tough on crime and and be able to point to those numbers that show, oh, we're convicting people. And
2: Right. You don't see pickets outside the courthouse from people demanding better lawyers for defendants who are oftentimes, or at least on most occasions, you know, poor people who don't. But also, let's just be frank, a lot of more guilty. I mean, there's, you know, there's so it's hard for people to say, look, we need to spend more tax money when there are so many demands on it to pay for this population to get better defense now. Uh, but, you know, that may be changing a little bit down in Jeff City. Um, it, you know, it's not a ton of money. I mean, at the P- Missouri Public Defender, Katie said, told us, what, another $30 million, roughly. Mm-hmm. They, they spend, Missouri spends $51 million now. So $30 million out of a $27 billion budget in Missouri, or 28, whatever the number is now, um, isn't a lot of money. So it really does take politicians of good faith in both parties to say, no, this pledge of effective representation has to be met Mm -hmm. i mean we can't it's not optional it's not like well we don't have any money so we'll just you know do so grab somebody from the street and say go represent these folks
0: and while i have never covered politics dave i know you have it does seem to me that politicians tend to do things when the voters push them to do those things and it's
2: hard to find that um, and, and by the way, this is not, I think a lot of people want to pick on Republicans for this, but the reality is the Democrats are part of this too. And I remember having this very conversation with Jay Nixon when he was the governor. I was reporting on that story, and eh, they're not in trouble, and they you know, they don't work hard. And, so, and he was a Democrat, of course. So even Democrats have some problem pushing a legislative solution for this. Although I will say I talked to Greg Razor, who's a local Democratic representative, and he was very aggressive and eloquent, saying we we've, we've we need to do more, and we're not doing enough, and maybe 2020 is the year to do so.
0: So um, it's I gotta say this: it's one thing to be sort of outspoken on the issue; it's a whole another thing to actually propose legislation and to get something pushed through. Has that ever? started to happen in the past, or is that starting to happen
1: again? Well, I think um, in the last session, they did uh, see a slight increase, and that was for juvenile units, because there have been reports of children showing up in court without a lawyer. And there have been some representatives who got that funding for two units, one in St. Louis and one in Kansas City, that are gonna be starting, um, I think, in January.
2: But it's just a start. I mean, obviously, uh, and, and by the way, th- this is a bigger problem. It's a crisis, really, in rural areas, maybe even more than Kansas City and St. Louis. Um, the other problem for defendants in rural areas, Leah, is uh, y- 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 you have to appear in court periodically waiting for your lawyer. I went to a courtroom and watched 100 different defendants who had applied for a public defender not get one because they're too overloaded down there, so they have to come back to court every two weeks every month or so just to check in with the judge often they're out of custody well in kansas city that's maybe a bus ride downtown but if you're in clinton missouri or in uh, you know other small communities it's a half an hour drive maybe it's 45 minutes to show up for your court date which you have to explain to your employer your employer says well i can't pay you money if you're going to check in to court for a bad check or a probationary concern and so, people get fired, they lose, uh, you know, family members. Some stay in jail, as Katie talked about, waiting for a lawyer. Lawyers can look on, on case net and see who's being charged with crimes. So it's an extraordinarily disruptive process for defendants, many of them facing charges that are not violent crimes, again, a, you know, a marijuana possession in a small, small county. And their lives are destroyed because they can't get a lawyer. Yeah. And, and and they can't afford to pay for a lawyer. And 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 that's really at the crux of what some of the problem is that we talk about.
0: Ricky Kidd is a good example of um, being put away and your life being turned upside down and then coming out at the end um, and kind of having to get your life back together. And Katie, the other example that you were giving earlier about the woman who was in jail for two years, how much money
1: did they give her when they let her out? They gave her a $1.50 bus ticket and that was it. And she um, she says it's destroyed her life. She um, ended up moving to a different state. She said she was never gonna live in Kansas City again. And she can't find a job because when you Google her name, it comes up. Even though the charges were dismissed, you know she's been ostracized by her friends and family. How how does a person even begin
0: to pick up the pieces? I I just don't even I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a huge struggle. I mean, I know I've talked to Ricky um, a couple of times, and I think um, obviously at first there's elation that you're out and you're free after 23 years and, of being innocent, and then. Kind of the real world starts to kick in, and you you start to have um, challenges with you know like technologies, you know things that we take for granted, but that you know people in prison have no exposure to. Okay. Yeah,
2: it, it, Ricky Kidd, I had a chance to chat with him too, and he's an extraordinary person. It's uh, it's amazing how little bitterness. I mean, he's he's mad at the system, but I don't think he's mad at the world, or as <laughs> frankly I would be. Um, but but he isn't. You know, the real story of the public defender problem isn't murder cases like that. It's an extraordinary incident. But it's the hundreds of people who every day end up in our criminal justice system and have no resources Uh, Or have far fewer resources than the police the prosecutor and the judges. We don't want to let them off the hook really either Um, You know judges love guilty pleas 90 minutes in and out get you know off to the slammer and and we don't have to deal with juries and we don't have to deal with motions and appeals and all that uh, other stuff and so you end up with a system again where all of the pressure is on the side of the police and government and very little on the side of the people who are caught up in it. And those are the people, you know, maybe 90 days, six, you know, six months in jail, they can't you know, negotiate with the, with the prosecutor because they don't have a good foundation in the evidence of a case. I've talked to a lot of experts who say that that's one of the biggest problems is because the public defender is so outgunned when they get together for a plea agreement, they can't really effectively represent their clients because they they can't say, well, this is obviously not, you know, this evidence would be thrown out or this confession is not admissible because they don't know. Yeah. And so they go in and say, hey, we'll give your client six months. Okay, bang, done. Guy's off to jail for six months. His life is ruined because he had a bad law lawyer doing the best that he or she could do, and that's really the crux of what's going on here.
0: The story seems to um, point at this area where there's a lot of tension right now in the country, where you have people who feel they're not getting a good enough chance at success in life, whether it's, you know, because of the area that they were born in, because of their parents not being able to pay for education, all of those issues. I kind of see, I see that tension between the people who don't have a lot and the people who have so, so much really laid out in this project in a lot of ways. Would you agree with that, Katie?
1: Yeah, I mean, there was one uh, district defender who said, you know, poor people are just presumed guilty. Just simply for being poor.
2: Yeah, I, I would only add to that that, and I want to say this as carefully and as gently as I can. I think there's a perception, probably in the Kansas City area uh, and St. Louis, perhaps, that this is primarily an inner-city problem and may re- may reflect African American clients who can't afford uh, representation. But again, we all spent time in rural Missouri, and there are, and it, it's a lot of very poor. Caucasian people who are caught up in a system, probation violations, traffic uh, um, uh, charges. And, you know, the sheriffs in these counties, uh, their whole thing is putting people in jail, and maybe they get some money because they have people in jail. And so it's it's perceived very, very differently in the urban areas as it may be perceived in the rural areas, which, again, is why it's so easy for politicians in both parties to throw up their hands and say, well, it's not a thing I worry about because it doesn't affect me directly. But it is a statewide problem, and Missouri is one of the worst in the country, and it really does need to pay attention to what's going on.
0: So before we finish up this week's episode, um, let's look toward the future a little bit. What, I'll ask both of you this, but Katie, what do you think needs to happen in order for this issue to
1: be fixed? I mean, I think almost everyone that I talked to, bottom line was there needs to be more attorneys and that's going to cost money.
2: Yeah, we, we, we offer some solutions in the last editorial that will run in the series, which talks a little bit about what Missouri can do. And certainly money and hiring practices are part of it. But it's really going to take, and there's some other sort of formal things that you could do to improve uh, the process in in the state. You could get prosecutors to charge fewer crimes, low-level crimes, those charges occupy the time of public defenders typically Um, but it you know more fundamentally the public is one side of this coin but judges and prosecutors and others have to be convinced somehow that this dysfunctional system is enabled by their own reluctance to provide a full defense to indigent defendants and if you know, judges start throwing out some cases or start saying, well, look, no, we're going to have full discovery here, we're going to take depositions, then I think prosecutors would get get that uh, message and start prosecuting the real crimes that need to be prosecuted. And if you did that, you wouldn't have to spend quite as much money because you'd have real cases. Instead of just grabbing everybody that you can, throwing them in the court having one lawyer with 200, you know, open files, let's plead this out and let's send them off to the prison. It's really, uh, you know, it, it, it's a political problem, but it's a, it's a judicial problem that the system has for far too long ignored and left us in the state we are today.
0: I think that's a good place to end it. And um, for those listening, if you haven't read the series yet, head to kansascity.com, and we will be showcasing different parts of the series for the rest of the week. And if you have read it, thank you for reading it, and thanks for supporting the work that we're doing here.
2: And thanks for supporting the podcast, because that's where we get to to talk about this stuff.
0: Katie and Dave, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you.